Well, thank you so much for being here uh, today at Grace Church Online. Um, I'm so excited to be with you. And happy 4th of July weekend. I pray this weekend is refreshing and refueling for you and your family. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, uh, I know, I remember growing up, I, I know that I loved singing songs. I sing songs uh, growing up. And, um, but I remember that there were so many times I would sing the wrong words to songs, okay? Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? Okay, I would literally sing the wrong lyrics and, and I would go for years thinking that was the right words, but they were actually the wrong words, okay? And I actually looked this up. I'm not the only person. There are hundreds, even thousands of people who have lived their life thinking and believing a lie, okay? They're singing the wrong words. And um, I was looking them up earlier this week. And let me just tell you, it was hilarious. I was laughing hysterically out loud at some of the wrong lyrics that people have believed, that people have sung. And, um, and I, I'm just telling you, it was, it was a thing that I've gone through and, um, and we all do it at times. So I looked some up and I wanna share some with you today because um, they're just hilarious, okay? Um, uh, there's a song called Tiny Dancer by Elton John. You may know it, okay? So the right lyrics is, hold me closer, tiny dancer, right? There, that's, the right that's the right lyric, that's the right words. But people were singing, hold me closer, Tony Danza. Tony Danza, you know Tony Danza from Who's the Boss? You know the show? So apparently people like were singing this song thinking Elton John was talking about Tony. Right, Tony Danza. Here's another one, Rocket Man by Elton John. Elton John did it again. Rocket Man, okay, so the right lyric, the right words was this. Rocket Man burning out his fuse up here alone. Right, that's the right words. But people, <laughs> this is hilarious. But people sang, people understood and heard this. Rocket Man burning down the fields with Carol's bones. I mean, come on now. You know, sometimes we hear the wrong thing and in the back of our heads, we're going, dude, that can't be right. But we still go with it, right? All right, here's another one. Um, Bad Moon Rising by Credence, Clearwater Revival Credence. The right, the right words was this. Uh, Don't go around tonight. Well, it's about to take your life. There's a bad moon on the rise. That's the right lyric, okay? But the wrong. The wrong lyric. People actually sang this song. Cover bands actually sang it wrong. And here's what they were singing. Don't go around tonight. Well, it's about to take your life. There's a bathroom on the right. There's a bathroom. So like when you hear this song, you're going, okay, as the world inches closer to its end, making sure you know where the bathroom is, is of critical importance to credence, right? Like, <laughs> come on. If you're not laughing right now, come on, you didn't hear me. Um, this is funny. Okay, here's another one. I got a couple more. Here's another one. Um, you remember uh, the, the band Kiss, okay, the group Kiss. Um, they sing a song called, I Want to Rock and Roll All Night. Well, we know the song. A lot of us know the song. And the lyrics are, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day, right? That's the right lyric. People kind of heard it slightly different. They said, I, I want to rock and roll all night and part of every day. So you're going like, wait a second, only part of the day? So like we're going to rock and roll all night, but in the daytime, it's going to be only part, like 11 to 3, that's it. 
just part of the day, right? It's just, you sing, you hear this and you're going, this can't be right. Um, you guys remember Gloria Estevan? She sang a song called The Rhythm Is Gonna Get Ya. You know, the rhythm is gonna get ya, rhythm is gonna get ya. You know that song? It's fun. It's great. <laughs> I don't know why, but people heard Elizabeth's gonna get ya, Elizabeth's gonna get ya. So I'm going, Elizabeth is gonna get ya. That's clearly the wrong thing. Now listen, if you're Elizabeth, and you had people like running away from you and you didn't know why, it's because they thought you were gonna get them. I'm sorry, this is what people heard. And then of course, the Lion King movie, everyone heard the song when it opened up and for whatever reason, that opening song in the Lion King, people thought it said, Pennsylvania. It's not about Pennsylvania, okay? I know that for sure. And the right lyrics, I don't really know, okay? But I know it's not Pennsylvania. Here's the thing. We're in a series called Lies We Believe. And many times we believe a lie because we've misunderstood something. We've misheard something. And we begin to say it over and over and over. Or in this case, sing it over and over and over. And when you say something long enough, you begin to believe it to be true, much like song lyrics. And even though, you know, it sounds a little off in the back of our our minds, we're going, dude, that cannot be right. But that's what we continue with. We just continue on with this lie that we're believing. And listen, we're so sincere about it. You know, we're singing it or we're saying it. We're so sincere about it. And some people think that, man, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere about it. But the problem with that is that you and I can be sincerely wrong. Sincerity does not validate truth. It just validates how you feel about what you believe. So today I want to talk about the lie that there are many ways to heaven. The lie that there are many ways to heaven. A lot of people believe this, that there's one destination, heaven, but multiple paths And those who believe this may also think uh, only a narrow-minded person would think there's only one way to heaven. But think about it. In our life, so many things we are narrow about. And we should be narrow about. Let me give you an example. If I go to the doctor or when I go to the doctor, um, if he or she is going to give me a prescription, I want them to be extremely narrow about it. I mean, could you imagine if they just said, hey, Miguel, just whatever pill looks best to you, right? Whatever medication you feel is better, whatever flavor, whatever color, doesn't matter. As long as you really like it and you're sincere about it, go for it, man. It's okay. I mean, no one in their right mind would would, would do that. And and, and if you're the patient in this scenario, you probably would have the doctor reported. You probably would think, this is nonsense. There's no way I'm going to do that. And and doctors and engineers and scientists and mathematicians and astronauts and so many other people understand that we have to be narrow about certain things in life, especially when it's about your life. You see, every single truth claim by default excludes everything else. And that's how it is. So being narrow in your thinking as it relates to your life 
is not an attempt to be unkind or disrespectful. Rather, it's an attempt to be accurate and clear and truthful. Why? Because your life matters. Your life is important. And this is why Jesus tells us on the Sermon of the Mount, he tells us when it comes to life, when it comes to eternal life, it's narrow. He says this in Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14. He says this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. I don't know about you, but um, have you ever gone down like the wrong way down a one-way road, like in downtown or something? You know, maybe downtown in a big city or, or here in Reno or something. Have you ever done that where you've gone the wrong way? down a one-way road. I have, let me just say, it is scary. I, I accidentally turned down and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, and I'm immediately turning into the first driveway. I mean, it's scary to do that. Now, here's the thing. No one that I've heard has ever thought to themselves, man, I look at that one-way sign and I think, man, whoever put that there is narrow-minded, right? Oh, man, I'm so offended by that one-way road sign. No, no one's thinking that. In fact, all the signs on the roads are put there by our, our city officials and by our people who are in our city helping us to direct us in the right path. And it's helpful for us. In fact, we would be thankful that there are signs that are clearly marked for us to drive safely down roads. And in the same way, God, through the person of Jesus, is trying to direct us and, and help us. Now, I'm going to use a lot of scripture today. Okay, I've already used one. So you need to be ready to take some notes, screenshot, whatever you need to do. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible today because I want you to note it down, write it down, take a screenshot, and go back and read it yourself. I really want you to do that. But I'm going to focus on one primary passage. It's probably the, the most popular, most common passage uh, in the Bible as it relates to there is only one way to heaven. And it's in John chapter 14. And let me read what it says. Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 14. And here's what it says, verses 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going, to, going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, and everyone here listening online heard this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So simply put, Jesus is the only way. The only way. That's it. Jesus is the only way. And media, television, internet, the world, and many other places will tell you that there are many ways to heaven. And in fact, it's kind of like this 
pantheistic mindset. What do I mean pantheism? Pantheism says that God and the universe are the same, that they are the same, that God is in everything and God is everything and everything is God. This, this podium is God and, and the wall is God and your television screen is, is God and the tree is God. That's this pantheistic mindset. So in that kind of mindset, it doesn't matter what you believe because it's all leading to the same thing, God. The other thing that kind of stems this idea that there are many ways to God is because there are many world religions out there, right? And what some people will say that this line of thinking will, people will say is, is that, hey, listen, aren't all religions basically saying the same thing? I mean, they all believe in God and, or a God and they all have a, a form of worship. They all have a holy book of some kind. So all religions are basically saying the same thing, right? Let me explain it for you real quickly. Let me just take a, a few of the, of the major world religions. So Islam, Mormonism, Christianity. Real quick, when you look at um, these three, when, when you see the views of God on each of these three the, and, and Jesus and people, you can see that it is drastically different, fundamentally at its core, different. So, so Islam believes in Allah, which is God, but there is no Trinity in that. There, there's no uh, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In, in Islam, uh, Jesus is considered a prophet, but not God. A teacher, a prophet, but not God. In Mormonism, Mormonism um, believes in Elohim, or God of this world. And they are very, uh, I would say, intentional about saying God of this world. Because in Mormonism, God was a man on another planet and through celestial acts, achieved this godlike state and became the God of this world. And then God had relations, in Mormonism, God had relations with Mary and birthed Jesus and then birthed Lucifer. So Jesus and Lucifer are half-brothers in Mormonism. Christianity is totally different. Christianity says there is a God in heaven who has revealed himself through three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and he is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. He is the great I am, the self-existing God. Now here's what happens. What we tend to do, what people tend to do is we, they will take these superficial similarities, even though there are core fundamental differences, and call it the same thing. And let me help you, that is a ridiculous conclusion. It's just as ridiculous as to say this, listen carefully, it's just like saying this, all cows have four legs, all horses have four legs, therefore all cows are horses. Now doesn't that sound ridiculous? Actually in philosophy it's called the undistributed middle term, it is a logical fallacy, it does not hold, it does not stand. Proverbs fourteen twelve says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking right now because I, I talked about it with my talking group of some guys on Monday night. And, um, and you might be thinking this, okay, okay, if Jesus is the only way, then how were people saved before Jesus? I mean, were like all the people before Jesus just condemned to eternal destruction? Well, of course not. 
Let me just give you a little bit of insight with this. Genesis 15, verse 6, talks about Abraham. Abraham, some 2,000 years before Jesus. Um, it says this in Genesis 15, verse 6. It says, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him righteousness. So you think about this, you go, okay, Abraham, thousands of years before Jesus, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, you might have a credit card um, and, and uh, you might use your credit card more than you probably should. Look, come on now, that happens to a lot of us. But sometimes we put things on credit, whether it's a car or whether it's a candy bar, doesn't matter. When you put it on credit, you immediately get that item and you can take that item home and benefit from it immediately, even though technically you have not paid for it just yet. This is what is happening when he's saying Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Romans 3 talks about this. Romans 3 actually kind of confirms this whole idea and, and, and really kind of wraps it up. It's, it's righteousness through faith, through believing in God. Romans 3.23, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, pretty popular verse. But in verse 24 and 25, it says that for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, the ultimate sacrifice, the, the payment. Finally, you're going to pay the, all the credit, right, that you've kind of loaded up up until this point. The ultimate sacrifice sacrifice for sin. And then it says this, listen, uh, in verse 25, this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead, ahead at what? Ahead at the cross, the Messiah. For he was looking ahead and including them in what would, and what he would do in this present time. So even though Jesus had not died chronologically just yet, people who had faith in God and believed in him would still be saved through Jesus. So Jesus, as it is recorded in the Bible, in scripture, all throughout, states clearly that he is the only way. And let me just th say this for a second. Why would Jesus say this? Why would he say it like that? I mean, Thomas is just talking about, well, we don't know the way. And he gives this very profound answer. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Why would Jesus give such a profound answer like that? So when we talk about heaven, when we think about heaven, um, a lot of us, including my, myself, okay, a lot of us, we think of heaven. And, and, and when we think about it, we think of like um, our mind goes to like there's going to be no sickness, and, 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 and all our friends that we've ever had on earth, you know, we're going to see and, and, and there's going to be all the food that you've ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted and no human conflict, uh, no uh, natural disasters, no face masks or COVID-19, right? It's just going to be awesome. Um, and, and certainly Revelation 21 describes that there's going to be no more pain and that every tear is going to be wiped away. So certainly it is true, as is, it is described in Scripture, heaven is going to be, listen, a wonderful, wonderful place. But lean in real carefully. We often only think of heaven as a destination, 
We often only think of heaven as a destination, which is why the debate in the world is all about directions to a destination. If heaven is nothing but a destination, a place, a location, then we're going to debate all day long about which way is the best way. Certainly, there's going to be many ways to get to the destination, right? That makes sense. But let me mess with your theology just a little bit, okay? Again, heaven's going to be a wonderful place, but listen real carefully. Write this down. Heaven is less about a place and more about a person. Let that sink in. Come on now. Heaven is less about a place and more about a person. Think of it this way. If you had spent an evening dining with a king, you wouldn't just talk about the place settings. They might be awesome, right? Look at this spoon, right? I mean, they might be awesome. You might be like, dude, this chair is so comfortable, right? That's great. But if you dine with the king, you're probably going to talk about the king. When John was shown heaven and wrote about it, he recorded the details. But first and foremost, from beginning to end, he kept talking about Jesus, the lion and the lamb with great gravitas and beauty. So think of it this way. Heaven without God is like a honeymoon without a groom. It's like a palace without a king. Heaven is less about a place and, and more about a person. Jesus promised his disciples in the passage that I just read in John 14. He promises his disciples and listen to the language. John 14 verse 3. I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. Heaven is less about a place and more about a person. For Christians or believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus Christ, to die is to be present with the Lord. This is 2 Corinthians 5.8. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It is not to be absent from the body is to be present on the lounge chair by the poolside of your mansion in heaven. It is to be present with the Lord. Heaven is less about a place and more about a person. And again, do not hear what I'm not saying. Yes, there will be wonderful things in heaven. Streets of gold are described. But the reason you might argue my point that heaven is less about a place and more about a person is because you desire streets of gold more than you do the presence of God. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. Philippians 1, verse 23. He could have said, I desire to depart and be in heaven in a mansion with streets of gold and pearly gates. But he didn't. His mind was so consumed on being with Jesus. Heaven is less about a place and more about a person. You see, wherever God is, there is heaven. This is why hell is simply described as separation from God. The presence of God is the essence of 
heaven. Theologian Samuel Rutherford said it this way. Oh my Lord Jesus Christ, if I could be in heaven without thee, it would be a hell. And if I could be in hell and have thee still, it would be a heaven to me, for thou art all the heaven I want. To be with God, to know him and see him is the central, irreducible draw of heaven. John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life. Streets of gold, pearly gates, mansions. Hold on a second. Well, no, it's not what it says. Now this is eternal life right here. This is it, eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Heaven is less about a place and more about a person. In the Old Testament, when there were the holies of holies, the only reason the holy of holies was holy was because God was present there. The moment God left the Holy of Holies, it no longer became holy. It was just a pretty room. If we knew nothing more than that heaven was God's dwelling place, it would be more than enough to make us long to be there. And listen, of course, we will enjoy all of these secondary, as I might say it, secondary gifts God gives us, but they will be derivative of God himself. And our happiness in them will actually be happiness in him. Jonathan Edwards, another theologian, he said it this way, the redeemed will indeed enjoy other things, but that which they shall enjoy in the angels or in each other or in anything else whatsoever that will yield them delight and happiness will be what will be seen of God in them. Psalm 36, 8 through 9. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights for with you is the fountain of life. The river of delight flows from and is completely dependent on its source, God. He alone is the fountain of life. And without him, there is neither life, nor abundance, nor any delights. And you and I, we can imagine that we want a thousand different things. Streets of gold, pearly gates, mansions, a new body. But God is the one you and I really long for. Psalm 63, verse 1 says it like this. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Here it is. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. God's presence brings satisfaction. His absence brings thirst and longing. So let me say it this way. Write this down. Our longing for heaven is a longing for God. Our longing for heaven, this, this I want to be in heaven, is really a longing for God. Being with God is the heart and soul of heaven. 
all our explorations and adventures and projects in the eternal heaven, and I believe there's going to be a lot, will pale in comparison to the wonder of being with God. So write this down. God's greatest gift to us is now and always will be nothing less than himself. God's greatest gift to us is now and will always be nothing less than himself. If there were many ways to heaven, then Jesus would not have had to die. For even he said while he was experiencing anguish in the garden of Gethsemane, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But yet not my will, let yours be done. Matthew 26, verse 39. He's saying this, if there's any other way that is possible for mankind people to be in a right relationship with you, if there's any other way, if there are multiple ways, come on, if there is, let this cup pass. This cup of suffering, the cross, be taken away. But there wasn't another way. There is no other way but Jesus. Acts, 4, Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says it this way. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Which means this. We don't have to wait for the there and after to experience heaven. We can experience heaven in the here and now in relationship with God through the person of Jesus. Heaven came down. This is good news. This is the gospel. So why did Jesus say that he is the way? That he is the truth? That he is the life? Because he's the way that our wandering hearts need to go. He's the truth our minds are searching. He's the life our souls are longing for. It's always been about Jesus. And it will always be about Jesus. And when we begin to understand that our longing for heaven is actually a longing to be with God, that heaven is, is less about a place and, and more about a person, we can finally begin to understand when we sing songs like, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. That is the message of heaven. <laughs>